Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 134 of Death Readers, the podcast where Rob and I share our thoughts and notes with each other on the books we're reading for the first time. If this is your first time listening, we suggest reading The Silence of the Lambs by Thomas Harris from chapters 1 through chapter 11 before listening to this episode. That way you too can follow along. That's true. Well, uh, being that this is the first episode of a new book, we have the edition edition to get to. We do. Um, have you prepared your edition edition? Of course, but I want you to go first. Sure. You're not stalling for time. Why would I stall? Because you, you, you don't need to stall. You are prepared. Right. I'm going to forestall your objection. You knew that this was the first episode of a new book, and every time we do a first episode for a new book, we do the edition edition. Right. So you should, you definitely knew that was coming. You knew that was part of what was about to happen tonight and you had that ready to go. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have restarted your phone and sent it up for upgrades that took too long and was unavailable for preparation. Uh, My book, how do I describe this? I, I don't know. I think this is a 60th printing of my book because the insides don't, tell me any more numbers than that you remember on the the sections where we identified like oh this will show you how many how many editions it is sure mine just has the number 60 damn that's they just give up at that point yeah it's it's like 60 and then no more numbers so do you have is there anything else uh, that might designate your specific printing um copyright 1988 by yazoo inc St. Martin's Press hardcover edition published in 1988, St. Martin's paperback edition June 1989. The front of the book ident- uh the the front of the book says it's the number one bestseller from author of Hannibal, which seems like a backwards endorsement. It is, but it was a bigger seller than Red Dragon, so that's what they had to go with. Um and then my cover price is 79 7.99. Um the back definitely talks about the Academy Award-winning motion picture. So this, th- my printing came well after that happened. What I was getting at, if I can tell you about my edition. No, no, I, I don't think you can yet. Uh, because mine also, I got mine at a, I know I got mine at a Goodwill. And it has, much like my copy of Red Dragon has a Sam's Club sticker on it. Saying that the listing price is $7.19, which according to the price printed on the book is off by 80 cents but the sam's club price is four dollars and 38 cents so that's kind of fun and now you can say things okay well i'm reading the digital edition which is based on the 25th anniversary edition what Uh, makes that edition special well it's got a it's got a fancy author's note but i think you said you're you had that as well an author's note where the beginning we talked about this last time when i said oh does your science of the lambs have an author's note and you said yes i said great because it's got stuff in it i want to talk about oh no mine doesn't have that well it yes. does well i thought you meant to the memory of my father no okay no i don't have an author's note oh my god i have this a podcast uh, is over i have a thing where he he says something on the very last page he says he says at the very last page he has a note But you don't have 25 years ago in an old Sag Harbor building with a tilted floor. I wrote the closing words, The Silence of the Lambs. Suddenly I realized I had finished the novel and there on the page was my title. No. 
and how he goes into his time as a journalist in Mexico, and he went to a prison and discovered the inspiration for Hannibal Lecter. Oh, no, not at all. Murder you. Why? Murder. What? Why? Sounds great. I'll read a small selection from it for you. If you must. I must. While he's there, he's interviewing an American who was imprisoned in the Mexican prison. And that American had medical conditions. And when he asked about the medical conditions, uh, the warden introduced him to the prison doctor. Dr. Salazar was a small, lithe man with dark red hair. He stood very still, and there was a certain elegance about him. He invited me to sit. It goes on for some time, not unlike uh, Clarice's meetings with Hannibal in the book. Um, The big turn of this story is at the end, he's talking to the warden again, and the warden says, oh, no, he's a prisoner, too. He killed his lover. And because he's a surgeon, he was able to, like, put him, you know, hide him in, like, small spaces. He cut him up. Nice. And put him in boxes and shit. Uh, so it's very interesting. And while Thomas Harris uses the alias Dr. Salazar, there are many articles online who have since gone in using that data to figure out that this guy was a real person named, excuse me if I butcher this, Bali Trevino. As a medical intern in 1959, Bali Trevino got into an argument with his lover, Jesus Castillo Rangel, due to either money problems or the former's insistence on marrying a woman. The would-be doctor killed his boyfriend, carefully slicing him into pieces to fit into a box and attempted to bury the box on a ranch. Also, he may have... uh, He was also suspected of killing and dismembering hitchhikers, but those accusations were never proven. So it's just interesting, and it it, uh, may inspire some further reading for people. Yeah, like this author's note. Yeah. To start. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't know I had an inferior Sam's Club copy of the book. That's fine. I mean, just when I when I specifically asked you about it and you assured me you had it, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Well, I assured you that I had something, whether or not it was what a dedication you is not an author's note. An author's note no, says, I thought, "Hey, look at me. I'm an author's note." Yeah, this part that says in the in his note of condolence to Jack Crawford, Doctor Lecter quotes from a fever without troubling to credit John John Don. Clary Starling's memory alters lines from T. S. Eliot's Ash Wednesday to suit her Thomas Harris. That feels like an author's note to me. That's at the end of the book. It's an author's note. No, that's a postscript, if anything. It doesn't say P.S. It says T.H. Doesn't say A. The author's N. signature. Suggesting well, that it perhaps is a note by the author. Look, I feel like we're, we're getting off on the wrong foot. And it's kind of contentious. And uh, I mean, you brought a lot of the contention. You brought a lot of the contention. I do not deny it. <laughs> Listen, that thing I caused it's happening and you know i wish we could all just move on from it (laughs) wow i've used that argument before it never works (laughs) next time next time it will work cool um in all seriousness it sounds interesting it sounds like the thing that was in the beginning of of red dragon which i enjoyed reading because it informed different things um i'm sorry i don't have it well, I'm going to make sure you get it by the next uh, episode. Yeah, One maybe. way. Whatever. Or another. You know, it's okay. In the interim, is there anything you'd like to talk about Science of the Lambs before we get started? I don't think you actually did your edition edition. I think yeah, you it's just... a digital version. Digital version of the 25th anniversary. Let's go. Wow. So we're past the contention then? <laughs> yep. It's in the first. Okay. You say so. 
Okay. D- digital edition. All right. Okay. Um, I don't have anything else to do before we start the show. So you do want to start? You want to go into the first? The first. Uh... You mean chapter one? Yeah. Do you want to do that? You mean chapter one? <laughs> so that's a yes. <laughs> I didn't want to have me dropping the Kindle sound. Okay. So you it's mean a chapter. <laughs> so it's a Kindle edition. Yeah, digital edition. What digital what can me? mean a variety of things. I'm just, oh, you know, it's just, it's sort of the flavor. It's like, it's like saying, "What kind of pizza you, you, did you get?" And you said, "It's a fucking pizza." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, like, there's, I guess, I guess to one person that's enough information, and to another, I mean, it means nothing." Everyone knows. Our legions of fans know that I read on the Kindle, the Kindle Paperwhite. Sure. Our our legions know that you read on the Kindle Paperwhite. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess that's I guess that has to be enough. I have to be satisfied with that. That's okay. I mean, is there more that you want from me? And it just doesn't have the flavor of a 60th printing Sam's Club edition. It's 25th anniversary. It has extra shit. I don't. It's clearly better than yours. It just doesn't better maybe, but it just feels like it lacks a lot of the the je ne sais quoi that I feel like the, well, the I don't know edition, what that is. <laughs> the edition edition brings. Anyway, uh, you you had mentioned a chapter with the uh, the first number in it, so oh right. I'll just you know we can just go on to that. Chapter one summary. Do you want to talk about what this book's about or no? Like, you know what, Rob? You know what, Rob? You're a very patient person, and I recognize that. Go for it. I, 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 you, I, oh, <laughs> weird. Hey, Doug, do you want to tell everyone what I'm thinking? No? Wait, well, wait, I don't want to say it. what I'm thinking. Anyway. I'm going to drink this glass of water, and you tell everyone what's in my head. <laughs> like a ventriloquist? Mm. Um, so, Rob, what's this book about? <laughs> We can just go to chapter one. It's fine. No, I think it's a it's a good practice we should get into where we. But oh, I think we assume a lot of what people. Right, and I hate that. What people expect about like when we we get into books here. I'll just read what the back says. Okay. A young FBI trainee, an evil genius locked away for unspeakable crimes, a plunge into the darkest chambers of a psychopath's mind, in the deadly search for a serial killer, and then there's a bunch of people saying nice things about it. Yeah, but they were paid. Including Clive Barker. What did he say? Razor sharp entertainment, beautifully constructed and brilliantly written. Thrillers don't come any better than this. He always brings it back to sex. Who? Clive Barker. He's a very horny writer. Oh, okay. Uh, the Associated Press and the Washington Post also said things on, on about it. Were they horny? Um, but the AP was, right? It does use the word gripping. I mean, I feel like that's enough. I, if you haven't read this book and you're listening to this, and and that's Fine. how you're gonna I'll access it, the... we're not gonna we're not gonna spoil it for you. You can just listen along. I'll just do the thing Rob wants me to do. Uh, no, I don't this is the to, sequel to Red Dragon. It that's is the continuation of the story of uh, Hannibal Lecter and Jack Crawford's adventures and the new characters and the new experiences they have years after Red Dragon's ended. So it takes place in the same world, in the same universe as as Red Dragon. See, I didn't, I didn't know that's what I wanted. You didn't know that that was what you wanted, right? 
well. It seems like that's what you wanted. I wanted something. I couldn't articulate it. Well, there's what you get. So hopefully it's well, good It's enough. great. I loved it. Okay, so back to chapter one, summary. Jack Crawford calls Clarice Starling into his office to offer her an assignment interviewing Hannibal Lecter. Clarice is an FBI trainee who's eager to please Crawford in the hopes of working in the FBI's behavioral science unit. Crawford instructs her to limit the information she gives Lecter and reveal nothing about herself to him. He reminds her of what Lecter did to Will Graham. I don't have any notes, but I'd like to clear up some of the things I wrote uh, sure. to, to elaborate on them. So, again, uh, this story, the, the protagonist of this book is, is appears to be Clary Starling, a uh, young female FBI trainee who's uh, clearly very good at what at her practices. She's got skills um, in, from fingerprinting to uh, firearm training, and she seems smart and driven. Uh, Crawford has taken a interest in her that seems like it could be sort of uh, duplicitous in a way. Like perhaps he isn't just interested in her because she is good at what she does or she's talented, but, but perhaps he sees her as a tool he can wield to get mm, something out okay. of Hannibal Lecter. Um, but not a prurient interest. No, no. Despite the suggestion being made. Um, sure. It, I don't, I don't see that. No, I don't see it either. Uh, so far, but anyway, that's, uh, that's the sort of the setup is that he needs her to go interview Hannibal Lecter, but also like reintroduces the audience to the, or, or reminds the audience of the, the incidences with Will Graham, what Lecter's capable of, even from behind his cell. Like without, without being a tedious recap, it was like, if you've exactly. read the book, you know it. If you haven't, it's just some extra detail. Yeah, a couple lines about Will Graham is hideous and is a, a drunk well, in Florida guy now. Did this got fucked up, right? And also, even before that, Hannibal fucked him up, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much where we are. I don't have any. I don't have a lot of notes for this uh, whole episode, by the way. But um, I don't for oh, this chapter. We'll have some notes. Do you have any notes in this chapter? Uh, I noticed that this uh, opening seemed almost curt, not. Um... In a bad way, but it, it laid everything out. I, maybe it's just because I've seen the movie so much and it's very beat for beat similar. It's 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 kind of snappy as opposed to like the sitting around drinking opening of Red Dragon. And so that was just an interesting contrast. And it makes me think that Crawford, you know, is really good at interacting with people because he alters how he info dumps based on the person. Yeah. With Clarice, it's very, you know, matter of fact with Will, it's let's have a beer and I'm going to show you some pictures. Yeah. Well, he has the authority over her too. That would, I think that would necessitate a difference. He, he needed to get, think of it this way. I'm not saying you're incorrect. There's definitely a difference, no. but I'm, I'm not, I, I think what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to temper the idea that Crawford is some sort of like, uh, interpersonal genius. The, the difference there that would, he would have to ac accommodate is that will, he needed to pull Graham out of retirement essentially. So he needed to butter him up with Clarice. Sure. He knew she was desperate to prove herself. All he needed to do was offer her the opportunity and she would be all over it and try her best. So I, I it's definitely different. I just don't, I don't know if there's like, I don't know. I, I guess I assumed you were, I, uh, ha 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 ha. So funny. I used that fucking word. Um, he, he <laughs> suggested that I, I, I took the suggestion from you that he, was talking, speaking to them differently to get his results, the same results he wanted, uh, but like 
approach them differently and that was some sort of like you know masterful chess move or something and I, I i looked at it more like it's just the necessity of of the two people's different stations it it is but also i think he is the head of behavioral science i i, ah. I think he knows some uh neurolinguistic programming techniques sure good point okay that's that's my real observation of my first chapter note all right what's the next one chapter two. Oh, cool summary Dr. Chilton takes a break from hitting on Clarice to brief her on speaking to Lecter. Every step Clarice takes through the Baltimore Hospital for the Criminally Insane is like a slog through the vulgarity of the insane and the repugnance of those who keep them. That's no a, notes. No, I do have notes. I have a note. Okay. You have no notes? Oh, I've got some notes. I, well, or at least no, one go note. ahead. Go ahead. I, I like how shitty rebuffed Chilton is and how that also helps uh, establish rapport with Dr. Lecter. Yeah. Because they're just like, wow, he, he really is a tool, isn't he? Yeah. Cool. Let's talk about him. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, he, he more so con- than conveyed in the film, he really gets snippy by being turned off, turned down. Turned down. Turned, yeah. Turned Rejected. Down. Rejected. Thank you. Yo, I, 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 f- <laughs> I felt like the, uh, the, the actor who plays him in the film specifically does a great job of nailing that. Absolutely. And, and, um, you really get that sort of like smarm vibe mm-hmm. from this guy, but it's ha- more in depth here. I haven't rewatched the film yet because mm. we're, we're reading not this yet book either. now. Um, sure. But I have had the interest to uh, since we started Red Dragon. But yeah, it's a good it's, it's a good point. And I didn't really my summary didn't really get into the specifics of the situation where that happens. Basically, Clarice goes to the hospital to interview Lecter, and she has to be briefed by the. What's his title? What's Chilton's title? Administrator head. Yeah, he's uh, he's the chief of operator of the of the hospital, and so he sees this as an opportunity to, in a very in in a very uh anti me too way, uh sort of leans into his authority and pushes it on her as a way to hopefully garner a romantic liaison with the young trainee, and she. Being a couldn't. strong woman says, uh, no, thanks. I'm at work. <laughs> couldn't be less interested. Yeah. Just, like, just um, not on her radar. It's what are you, what the she, fuck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, she could have been less interested. If he, Let me put it this way. If he had just, and I don't know where I have this image from, but if he had just tossed his jizz in her face, that probably would have made her less interested than what he did do. Okay. What? Nothing. It's a good point. Thanks. Um, <laughs> what's your note? Um, my note is is it's a good one. Okay. Uh, my note is that it's a it's an after the chapter note. It's just that I'm pleased with how much of this book script I recognize from the movie. Yeah, Chilton's description of Lecter's mail, his quip about being briefed in his office, etc., was all uh, it tickled my memory. With and, the addition of a, uh, of a patient who likes poop. Yeah, that's weird. It's not on this note. It's not as tight a comparison as something like True Grit. Mm. But I, I, I think it does merit like joining, following True Grit into the echelon of books whose like film scripts very closely and effectively follow each other. I think I can speak to that, actually. Please do. Uh, 
I would argue, and because I've made this argument before, and when we get there, I'll tell you why. I argue the movie is better than the book. Okay. This movie is better than the book. And I would I think a lot of that is because and I forget his name, the guy who screenplayed it, who wrote the screenplay, who adapted it, uh basically turned it into true grit. He took everything that oh, was right. and left a lot of the flux behind where True Grit was, you know, a remarkable novel because it was so tight from the get go. Yeah. It's a tiny book and almost everything in there is in the movie right. because it's so short. Well, and it's all and it, it's all important. All the stuff that right. is in the movie is the is the is the like you start off with a book like that and you read through it's like gold mine it's like gold panning like mm-hmm. you start off with the book and it's already like down to the like nuggets the and true the flakes. yes exactly and and then you like you just have to for this movie script you just have to like wipe away a couple unnecessary bits of rock right. and you've got the purest like shit and 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 then with with this book what you, I think what you're saying is it's similar but like there was a little bit more like, you know, soil to 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 filter yeah. out first. Har- Harris is a lot more flourishy of a writer, and well, a lot of times that's great. And sometimes it's like this is not needed for the movie. Well, this this book is twice as thick as as True Grit. At least there's I I feel like we'll get to some parts that are you know more expanded that were not included. Sure, I mean well that's that to be uh, yeah on that note because I, I mean. Just to continue sort of talking about sure. this, like we are seventy-ish pages. I'm I'm about. I know your sp- fancy digital edition doesn't count pages the same way mine does, but um, I'm chapter twelve for me starts on page seventy-eight, so we are a fifth of the way through the book, I think, and very little of what we read wasn't already in the film. So mm-hmm. and 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 we're like, I'm gonna think about it. I think we're about a quarter of the way through the movie. Yeah. I think we're about a quarter of the way through the movie at a fifth of the book. So that means if we follow that pace, there's about a fifth of the book that is pad or mm-hmm. not pad, but is excluded. Well, I mean, just in this in this section that we read, her uh, investigation takes her on a couple of loose ends. And that's with all the omitted. cars. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's the, the, the car that's destroyed. And, and like, oh, that's the only one. Oh, no, it wasn't. In sure. Screen sure. time. Just follow the car. Yeah, I, I totally I, like there that. Well, I don't know if we got there yet, but yes, it does. That moment is one. I don't think I have a note on it, but it is a moment that while reading it, I had to like check in with myself and say, is this in the movie or not? My memory is they just find the car. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, anyway, uh, that's my note. I, I just I, I thought it was unfortunate that like you made that observation in chapter one and I had to wait till chapter two. But like we are both we both observed the same thing. So I'm glad we spent some time with it. Yeah. But now that that's over, what's next? Chapter three. Summary. In this chapter, Clarice meets Hannibal for the first time. The scene plays out nearly exactly like the film, with them trading witticisms, him belittling her, and her leaving with a sailor sheen and a promise from the good doctor. Hannibal suggests she look for his victim's car. First question, most important. Is sailor sheen yours? Yeah. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) I think we have our title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. That's that's epic. All right, I've only got one or t- 
two. No, I've got two. No, a couple. I just hope the audience understands what I mean. I think the audience will get it, especially hey, when we get. Hey guys, it. you get it? You get it? We get what is what I did there. <laughs> I see it, man. Ah, um, okay. You were gonna say something. Talk about a ham-handed segue. Do you have any notes? I sort of have a note. Okay. Well, uh, my note is just simply it's a very sh- short one, so I'll just take care of it. Uh, it's it's like a vestigial note. Oh, okay. um, page fifteen. Now we hear about his extra fingers. Mm. We do his polydactylism. I tried to look it up. Some interesting images, but I could not find the perfectly formed extra middle finger. That's the rarest form of polydactylism. All the I hands saw... I looked at were not perfectly formed. I saw a TikTok of someone with uh, an extra finger on one hand and what they were they were doing this game where they touch their finger their their each finger to the tip of their t- thumb uh-huh and then and then they did this thing where they tried to c- touch their pinky and their index finger mm-hmm. and the the audio is from someone who it's it's what on TikTok it's what's called a duet so half of the screen is the, is a video on the on the right side of the screen is is a video that is where the audio is sourced from and then the left side of the screen is the response to that video so on the right side is someone tapping each finger to the tip of their thumb and then trying to touch their their index finger to their pinky and not succeeding in the left side the response video is someone doing that exact same thing except they have one more finger and then because of that one more finger they're very easily able to connect their pinky to their index finger is it a, a, a quote-unquote normal-looking finger, or is it... All of them looked perfectly formed. Just six fingers. Well, yeah, uh, the best way I can describe it is it kind of looked like... Between the index and the middle, it looked like a second hand may have started to split and form there. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the middle, either the middle finger or the index finger is duplicated. There's, like, a slight lump it looked like between the two sure sure, sure. it's like oh it looks like something else is trying to protrude from there but then stopped right but not one of those like little no i have i have seen a person with that on their foot or more like a a carrot i guess with a with a third uh yeah like with a with a sixth toe on their foot that very much was like one a it, it you know the, the the nicest way to refer to it was it was malformed like it sure. was just small and 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 shriveled and and I I do I could be more descriptive I but I I won't because uh, I don't know this person truthfully I don't know who this person I don't know them at all but uh it would just be mean to be overly descriptive of it and I don't feel like that's fair that's so good discourtesy is com- is unspeakably ugly unspeakably ugly um so yeah that's uh i i don't know what the typical polydactylism is but uh i'm glad i guess to know that his are are completely formed i will say however though i don't think this was mentioned in the last book now i'd love to be i'm pretty sure you're right i would love to be wrong but i feel like this is a strange addition to his character i think it's I, i think arguably Harris talked himself into it because he never described the hands before, but it is a strange addition, and then they do almost nothing with it. But you'd think that, like, with Will Graham's heightened perception, he would have been like, oh, yeah, by the way, Lecter's got that extra finger. Like, why wouldn't everybody talk about it? 
Right. I just whatever. Um. Uh, do you have any more? You have notes in that chapter, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I got some notes. I'm not saying I'm easily influenced, but I immediately put the book down and had to go look up uh, the Italian Vogue online, Vogue.it. Because Dr. Lecter was reading the Italian edition of Vogue and like, that's a thing? Well, that must be mine. <laughs> um, we have Vindication. For 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 uh, an often misqu- misquoted line. Oh God, here we go, guys. I will say it's misquoted. I will say the movie paraphrase, and everyone quotes that. But a census taker tried to quantify me once. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a big amarone. Yeah, just let that sit for a moment. Hmm. I know it's a big shoulder chip for you. It's just, you know, well, because audience are more familiar with Chianti. You know what? Arguably, you say it's a big Amarone. They're going to go, what's that? I want to know about that. I'm going to go talk to an enophile. I I thought it was interesting that you focus on that as opposed to the difference between quantify and test. I, I mean, to me, it's the same thing. They've, they've to, dumbed, to they dumbed me, down the wine. To me, the they wines dumbed, are the same. <laughs> they dumped down the... Are you insane? No. I just don't like wine. <laughs> that's fine, but... No, no. Apparently, according to you, that's insane. I wouldn't say it was insane. That's, you that's just did. It's recorded. You unspeakably ugly man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, oh, well, my only other note here in this chapter of three uh, is another word difference. Okay. And I th- found it interesting. He keeps calling her Officer Starling and not Agent. Hmm. Weird. It is weird. Or trainee. Or trainee. Sure, whatever. Just Officer. I'm like, are, are FBI agents referred to as Officer in any shape? No. I mean, I honestly don't know. Like. No, yeah, as far as you know is I guess what I was asking. As far as I know, I I, I I think a lot of I think it's a healthy thing to do for people to recognize how much of their information of the world is informed by entertainment as opposed to reality. Sure. And I think it is fair for me to say that I believe most of my information about FBI agents comes from the X Files and Men in Black. But, you know, they aren't the FBI. No, they're not the they're FBI. The MIB. It's the MIB. That's, that's the men in. That's right. the men in black. By men in black. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I honestly have no idea uh, what their title is. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. I guess he got one over on us. I mean, he Thomas Harris is pretty reliable. I would I have no problem like. Old Thomas. What? The heck is that? What is what? Is that that's not you? I think it getting, might be me. Getting a text because my phone's on silent. Well, Rob, my phone is on silent too, but I am recording this podcast on three computers. So <laughs> it did happen that one of my computers wasn't muted, uh, and yes, I was getting a text, and I did not realize it was making sound because I have headphones in. Do you have to go? No, I'm just going to look at this and then not respond to it. That's fine. I can look at things. Um, okay, let's go. 
Okay. Um, hopefully, wherever we were, I don't know where we are in terms of the. Uh, we're about to go into the next chapter. Okay. Uh, so that brings us to chapter four. Summary. Thrilled with the possibility of a new lead, Clarice makes the mistake of calling Crawford on his day off. He politely scolds her. Then this chapter is mostly the author familiarizing the audience with one of Hannibal's victims. Hannibal fed the victim's organs to his boss. The boss suffered an uh, the boss suffered sorry. The boss suffered from anorexia and alcoholism after realizing who was on the menu. So the again I didn't I at this point I didn't write the person's name name down the victim's name but the victim's name is Benjamin Raspail. Raspail. Um and he uh Hannibal like took some of his organs and then fed his the or he was uh, Raspail was a musician he was an orchestral musician and uh Hannibal took out his like pancreas and his uh, uh the sweetbreads I don't know if it was pancreas right. uh pituitary gland and sure. something equally small and then fed them to the uh, orchestra director dude I gotta say sweetbreads are tasty. Weird. Sweetbreads sweet breads and blood puddings are desserts best left to others. They're not dessert. Neither of those are desserts. <laughs> well, they both have words like bread and pudding. And yeah, sweet and pudding. And for me, that's the dessert. No, they are some savory ass amuse bouche. They should be savored by and for others. From others. No, no, for others. I don't want them. Oh, man. Oh, you know what I would rather have? I would have, like, a a nice summer sausage. Mmm. Weird. What? I'm just saying, like, if you're gonna lie to me and call a fucking sausage a pudding, give me a fucking sausage! I mean, some people call it blood sausage, too. Yeah, but there's also dumb. Oh, Because it's also, I don't want it. I don't want it! Get it out of here! Um, I'm going to okay. get my broom and shoo that food off my porch. Put yourself into that or- or- orchestra bosses, the conductor, whatever's shoes. Would you? Would you be hold disturbed? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm envisioning oh, okay, a clock I, I forget your slowly process. moving in front Whoa. of me. Whoa. Okay, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> were you fed somebody would that bother you generically <laughs> of like, generically if there were no more to you than an employee yeah because i don't like being tricked i really don't like being tricked i i feel like i feel like tricks That's... often like they often are done at someone's expense and in and in, in this sense like literally like someone's like expense that's a that's a fair angle i had not considered i thought it was more like you got the the fun surprise of getting to eat another person without any of the legalities no like one time my wife surprised me with a trip to las vegas and i still had anxiety about it like i was like i don't like the i don't like the surprise thank you i'm going to have a good time but i didn't have any time to prepare for this and now it's happening in the like less than 24 hours. You're, so, you're not one to be whisked away. I don't like it. It makes me <laughs> uncomfortable. Um, 
I like the trip, but I like mm-hmm. to know where I'm going sure. more than a couple days in advance. My wife is very similar. So, so like, yeah, I would not enjoy, like, if someone said to me, just eat this. We'll tell you what it is later. <laughs> now, in that vein, my father-in-law tries to pull that crap all the time. But it's not usually people. He's trying to get me to eat squid. In in that vein, I've done this to other people. Yeah. But but in but I think it's almost always something that they would have already eaten and enjoyed. It would just be surprising because it's prevent presented differently. Sure. Like sure. it's that I, well, where it's like like if you I don't have a good example, but no. But there's a difference between eat this brown. You'll never guess the secret ingredient. What? It's some kind of black bean. That's crazy. Right. Versus here, eat this pork. That's actually Billy. My my yeah, my stepmother baked brownies that were made from beans a couple yeah. of weeks ago and I ate them and I, and she and I, I trust them and it wasn't like the surprise wasn't like it's all soy sauce or something. So like right. it, I ate it and I was like, you know, I before you before being told what was in it, I was like, I don't like it. Like it feels gritty and mm-hmm. it feels like I don't I don't think it's what I want it to be. So what is it? And then they're like, Oh, it's beans. And I'm like, okay, I guess good, good on you for trying, but right. Just make a cake. Just make a brownie. Yeah. I I was able to taste it right away. I didn't, but I was only looking for it because I was told there was a secret ingredient when Mm -hmm. I tried a bean brownie and I'm like, "Mm, that's beans. Yeah. Um, but my point, I think, I think the takeaway is I don't think I'd have a moral problem with eating people, but for the fact that people had to die for me to eat them. You, that's not true. Well, I guess it depends well, on your, and your circumstances, but we know people can, you can remove the, meat from someone absolutely, absolutely. without killing them. I wouldn't want it. Yes. Uh, however, the, 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 the important point is I don't like to eat tentacles. Well, lucky for you, people don't have those. Uh, right. That's why that's a much, more viable food source than squid or octopus. So no calamari for you? No. Really? Yeah. Spicy squid? No. Scungili? No. I think that's a more of a mollusk, but still. Hmm. Yeah. I I'm, I I personally don't like seafood anyway. Like I um, heart tangent. I I don't like it. <laughs> like it, it uh I've never liked it. Um, I don't know exactly how to justify it or explain it, but like my entire life, people have been like, eat this fish. And I'm like, nah, <laughs> same, nah. same. I just uh, don't enjoy the f- anything about it. Shrimp and clams. I'm okay with that's where it ends. Tuna. I can eat a tuna okay, sandwich. A tuna, a tuna sandwich doesn't count. You got pickles. You got Doritos in there. It's a whole different thing. There's a whole lot to unpack there, but yeah. Uh, I like Doritos on my tuna sandwich. What? I just feel like that's a weird thing to insist to sort of the, the, the status quo of I, tuna I mean sandwich. I could I could probably make do with ruffles it's fine tuna the point is tuna is barely the, fish the cow of the sea yes and famously famously and uh <laughs> that's why I love bovine tuna and everyone knows manatees are the chicken of the sea right so the tuna beef it's what's for dinner so outside of that and outside of I'll also give you this in terms of let's just talk about the fish we like to eat okay. um the, <laughs> uh, None. I'll, I'll no that's not true rob and i can prove hey it. doug yes what kind of meat do priests like to eat on friday on friday on friday doug 
What kind of meat do priests like to eat? Fish? None. Well, but fish is a meat. That's a, it's a, such a... No, Catholics fish is a are flesh. so fucking dumb. Um, it's, fish is a flesh. Whatever. And you're missing my double entendre. What's the entendre? None. What is that? Eat the nun. I, I want to... Ex- oh. There you go. I guess you had to spell it out for me because your pronunciation didn't do it divine justice. So, uh, the fish you like fried first off, and I'll put, I'll take you down to cod city. Yeah. Caught halibut rockfish. Not bad. Fish and, like chips. fish and chips, right? Yeah. I'm talking about fish and chips. I'm the fish and kind chips. of Absolutely. the white fish that go into fish and chips. Breaded, ketchup, vinegar all over it. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll eat the I'll I'll eat a I'll eat baskets of Alaskan cod, but um, yeah, but not halibut. Well, I would eat ba- I would eat halibut fish and chips too. Uh, halibut fish and chips, I'll usually take a pass. I'm, I'm like, okay, what's your fish and chips? They're like halibut. I'm like, nah, eh, I'm good. Well, They're like it's cod to rockfish. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think that's where it ends for me mostly. Uh, yeah, I, I used think... I used to be the like a, in a t- my teenage years I'd be like yeah I like shrimp, and then I realized what deveining was, and oh. then I was like I was the like pooping yeah I was like oh so sometimes people don't do that, and they still eat the they still eat the shrimp. I'm sure we eat so much more shit during the day than just a little shrimp shit. It's about the plausible deniability, Rob. It's about <laughs> being able to convince myself I'm not eating shit despite how much shit I'm eating. Fair enough. It's much like employment. <laughs> so anyway, I we're done talking about fish now. Um, that was 10 minutes of the show our listeners will never get back. The um, <laughs> They might not even get all of it. Oh, I'm they sure fucking that. better. Um, I'm not sure about that nun joke. <laughs> I felt like I went a little... 30 you well i mean you listen the catholic church has far greater sins than uh nunnilingus <laughs> i like your little layup victory lap you did Just, ah. <laughs> that was my stigmata <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's, it's... Not gonna get better than that. <laughs> um, well, I think we uh, the task before us is choosing choosing between Sailor Sheen and Nunnalingus. I, I never get good titles. <laughs> Listen, I just set the bar. I know. Um, and I look up at it. <laughs> um, the. I don't remember why we were talking about fishing. Oh, we were talking about eating people. Oh yeah. And things. Yeah. I don't remember still where we are, but, um, uh, we all, we both agree that we want to try it when it comes to eating a person. I think that I guess like if I'm being really honest with myself, this is why people tuned into the show, right? To hear our thoughts about cannibalism. Yes. Um, if I'm being really honest with myself, I probably wouldn't do it. If, especially if I knew about it at a time, like I would probably say, no. <laughs> Even if it was prepared really well, 
I don't think that's the problem. The maybe that's my problem. Maybe like, I'm, maybe the food descriptions are always so exciting that I'm just like, oh, I just want to eat that thing. It doesn't have to have people in it. Yeah, like I'm not, I'm not. Ex- to be fair, I'm not expecting like human tartar. Like I, I, it doesn't matter how it's prepared. It's the, the part about it being a person that I don't like. I mean, human tartars would be tasty. It probably has worms in it, dude. Like you don't, we, we don't I mean, have. There's the... still a preparation. It's 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 soaked in a it, it, it it's a it's a marinade kind of thing. It's mustardy. Tartar is mustardy. I'm talking about. We. I'm trying to say that humans, because we aren't livestock, don't have like health standards, and oh. so we we are probably not that good to eat. I only I would only eat USDA approved grade A human. Good luck getting the USDA to do that. Anyway, where are we in the in the episode? Chapter five. Okay, good. Chapter five. Did you have any <laughs> notes in chapter four that we didn't address? I don't believe so, no. Okay, good. Chapter five. Summary. This chapter shows us a glimpse into Jack Crawford's personal life. He cares for his unresponsive wife in their home. This ordeal has emotionally strained him more than his colleagues are aware. Very sad. Uh, to get more specific... His wife has some sort of terminal disease and he's set up a room in their house to be a sort of sick room where with with like I love Lucy style beds, two beds, two single beds in the same room where hers is like a hospital bed and his is right next to it. And it's some of the beautiful descriptions Crawford puts in here are things about like how I guess Jack will sometimes reach out for her in the night um, from his bed. Which he's um, made level with her so he can right. do that very thing. Right. And and the suggestion there. It, the 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 suggestion in the emptiness is that he will eventually not be able to succeed in his when when he eventually when he reaches she will not be there for him to grasp mm-hmm. and that that inevitability that awaits all of us is very sad to think about um so <laughs> it's all i just i'm just it was it was emotional and sad yeah so I guess that and, and that is when Clarice calls him to be clear when the, the previous chapter, when he is oh, frustrated with her, it's because she calls him and interrupts his time with his wife. So it's not necessarily during that moment that we read, but that it, we can deduce that he was in the middle of a like moment. I think it was it. right before the. Chapter oh, really? Starts. OK, OK. I, I believe okay. those chapters are deliberately juxtaposed. Fair enough. Hers Fair enough. ends and it's and he we pick up basically right as he. It's his most private time. Yes, exactly. It's not yeah. just his off time. It is his, he's committing that time to dealing with shit. It's a good chapter because it, it illustrates a lot about him in more than one way. It helps inform his relationship with her and it helps inform our relationship with him. Um, I don't have any notes in that chapter. Do you? No notes. What's the number after five? Uh, it's six. Chapter six. Oh, cool. Uh, summary, Clarice gets help finding the car from her firearms instructor, but it turns out the car was scrapped and cubed. Thinking her next best bet is to speak with Hannibal again, she calls Dr. Chilton's office, but learns he's busy. With the coroner. I only had one note. I have two notes. I enjoyed the, uh, ex-marine with the clean mouth. Mm. Her, 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 her firing, her gun instructor. Who kept trying yeah. to not curse? It was amusing. 
Um, yeah, that's good. I my my second note, and I'll just say it now, is that I like John Brigham, the firearms instructor, as a character. I really like him. He's very he's he's so polite and put together and and efficient and helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has no hiccups. Like he doesn't, he's not a, an interesting character in that he isn't causing problems for anyone in a colorful way, but I like him because he's exactly the kind of person I want to deal with in life. He is the character or the person who does their fucking job and helps things move along and he does it well and with dignity and respect. I just he, fucking like him. He comes back in a later chapter, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about that then, but yeah, um, I agree. It's a good summary of him. Uh, I also have a note here on page 34 is the return of the Weaver stance. Mm -hmm. Just wanted to point that out almost as if we'll see it used. I mean, that's very true, but also you, you, you gotta, you gotta know your Weaver stance. If you're going to go after these bad guys, you gotta know your Weaver stance. You gotta know your Weaver stance. And you gotta practice firing with that little hand thing she practices with. You all have access to it. I think he just, when he describes it, he says that hand thingy. Yeah. I don't know. I just remember when he describes it thinking like, that's not very descriptive. Most of you, most of you never squeeze anything harder than your zits. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, all right. Any more notes for you? No, sir. Let's advance. Chapter seven. Summary. Clarice meets with Crawford to get help finding Ras- Raspail. Raspail. Benjamin Raspail. Raspail's car. With the obvious suggestion that he may have had more than one car, Crawford sends Clarice on her way to find more information. As she leaves, he removes a piece of paper from the waste bin containing a poem and a note of condolence about his wife's poor health. From Hannibal Lecter. So sorry about Bella, Jack. Ugh. Weird how he figured that out. I just deduced it. I guess. Um, the I have a note. I have one note in this chapter. Okay. Page forty-one. Ugh. The assume thing again. <laughs> what an, I don't, I, I, it's so brilliantly used in this book. Like it makes me hate Jack Crawford so much, but I also, I, I respect just a little him. Bit. Yeah. Well, just that way where you're like, it, it's like that thing of like, ugh, it, it's more loathing. It's sure. that thing where you're like, I have to deal with like when you have a boss, you don't like, you're like, I have to fucking deal with you. But every time you do that thing, it got gets under my fucking skin and I hate it. And I think the thing I like about this is that that's the point of this thing. Yeah. Like Thomas Harris is using this assumed thing, this whole you make an ass out of you and me bullshit um, to make the reader hate this guy. And the thing that blows my mind is how many people I've heard use that shit sincerely or earnestly and not pick up on their assholes for doing it. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, I, I've, we've said this on other shows, but I fucking hate it when people like use other people's material as, as their own. Like, I hate that. Like there's one, there's a difference between something like using a colorful turn of phrase. Like, you know, like the, I feel like people in the South have a tendency to have these really fun, like colloquialisms that are like, okay, yeah. like, like really f- flavorful and colorful. And Lord I, and love I, a duck or or like you're more useless than like i don't have i don't know i know that this five five pounds of shit in a 10 pound bag or 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag whatever right like those things like 
people pass that shit around and they use them all over the place, but those are fun and like innocent and they are like colorful. Colloquial. Yeah. This thing, this, this, uh, assume well, he keeps going back to it is. And, and, and the thing I don't like about it more than when he uses it, when other people use it, they are using it as a cudgel for superiority. And I fucking, don't respect people who aren't or, like original thinkers <laughs> and like, and, and so when you're using this thing that isn't yours as a way to assert your authority over me uh, or to like shame me or put me in my place. Oh boy. Does it just make me want to revolt against you? Can an argument be made that he's using it as a, a teaching moment? Yeah. But again, it, the teaching, he, he doesn't let the teaching come without an assertion of his authority. Mm, okay. And you can like, it's, it's a choice. Like in the last book, when this assumed things brought up, Will Graham says, I saw you do that to that kid. And then, and what's Crawford say? He deserved it. Something he Something says like that. he needed a kick in the ass. Right. Right. what right, he right. says. So, but basically when it's brought up in the last book, Will's mocking him for it a little bit. Well, and he's mocking him because Crawford uses it as essentially a form of shaming. Right. He uses this device, this this terminology, this example of using the word assume to sort of shame people into doing better police work or better investigative work. But like because he can, because mm-hmm. he has authority and he can say, I don't do this. And when you do it, you fuck with me and you. So don't do it. And it's like, dude, message received. <laughs> Let's move on. That's it. Let's do. Yeah. So, um, that's all I have in that chapter. What do you have? We're in chapter eight. No, we were in chapter seven. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, right. Okay, sorry. <clears throat> uh, no, no, I have nothing else. Cool. Let's move on to chapter eight. Summary: Clarice travels to a storage unit in Baltimore where Raspail's car is stored. After much struggle to get into the overpacked storage unit, she finds a car with a decapitated head in a jar on a mannequin's shoulders in the back seat. She calls the police for help and finds herself quickly at the mercy of local journalists who don't have the decency or professionalism to leave the scene untouched before police arrive. I do have a note in this chapter. Okay. What's your note? My note is, oh boy, does Harris hate journalists or what? First Freddie Lowndes and now these guys? Slow down, buddy. You grind that axe as much more, and it won't be more than a pocket knife. I'm going to argue this. Okay. Because he was a journalist. I think he hates shitty journalists. Maybe he, he does. Saw, I think he saw people do shit that he's like, that's that's rude. Sure. That's discourteous, and I don't like it. And I'm going to call that shit out because I don't think journalists should be this way. This is the bottom of the barrel journalism. It would just be cool to see the good journalists he thinks are great. Like, like there's one thing to say, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. But if the only example in your fictional world of this is it being bad, it kind of lends to you not having a a well-rounded opinion of it. That's fair. That's a fair critique. Maybe, maybe he does have a blind spot or a um, prejudice and he thinks only like print journalism is real journalism and TV and tabloid or not. Or it could just be it's fun to write these characters. Maybe. And, and he doesn't this, put much more thought into it than this character comes that. back. But yeah, you're right. That's a good point. I mean, it sounds fun to write. It sounds fun to, to fuck with your character by giving them a reason, a, a believable obstacle that's obstinate. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have any well, notes in this chapter? I do. There, there's a section I liked. Sorry. I do. There was a section I liked. Um, 
and I know we're not going to try to compare with the movie a lot, but I really liked it when Clarice uncovers the specimen jar and Harris writes, she knew that it was a big laboratory specimen jar and she knew what would be in it with dread, but little doubt she pulled off the cover. And this is one of the moments in the movie that I always cite. One one of my reasons for really liking the movie, because the music is just this slow mounting, creeping dread. It's a perfect place for a big musical gotcha sting. And they don't do that. Mm -hmm. It just swells gently like with dread, but little doubt. And I thought that was interesting that it felt even the score was adapting the book. Yeah, that's interesting. Good note. Um, And then I I just enjoyed on the next page. Well, Toto, she said, we're not in Kansas anymore. She'd always wanted to say that under stress, but doing it left her feeling phony. And she was glad nobody had heard work to do that. I've had a a million moments like that. And I appreciated (laughs) that. Yeah, I really liked that one. That, I, I like that part too, and I, 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 I thought it was, it's it's an interesting thing to include about her character because it kind of points to, perhaps she's more professional than even she gives herself credit for. Mm. Perhaps she's more prepared or capable. In that, that sort of shitty witticism, even this early in her career, it might actually be beneath her. Like right. it may, it, despite it being a thing she thinks she wants to do. Right. She liked the idea of it, but in practice, oh, that was dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Or, lame or whatever right that's it for me. okay uh what that brings us to chapter nine summary clarice visits dr lecter again he shares what information he has about the head in the car his part in Miggs's death and the mutual interest he and jack crawford have in clarice so Cl- Miggs died that was the uh the corner thing that i mentioned earlier that uh chilton was dealing with was somehow we didn't okay i didn't really clarify what migs did yeah we didn't really tell we we kind of glazed over migs yeah you could say that uh we offered our listeners not but a shot in the dark about what migs true crimes are Feel like we've seeded it by this point. I don't know. Yes, but have we completed our illusions? We should. We should finish together. <laughs> weird. So, while, <laughs> so very weird. So while Clarice visited Doctor Lecter the first time. There was another inmate in that row of horrible people who. Are you making crinkling sounds? I just want to point out you're making crinkling sounds. I was fidgeting. Um, I would say he hurled some noxious words at her on the way in. I mean, all right, I'm just going to take over for you because you're you're going too slow and you're just not... I can edit all that out later. Yeah, yeah, it's too late. Listen, guys, a couple episodes ago, we talked about the nickname that Francis Dollarhide got in the orphanage. And I said, it's a word I don't actually like using because I don't like the way I feel like I sound when I use it. Like, I don't I don't like people who use this word like this and thomas harris apparently loves to use this word 
in his writing for bad people. I think I think he likes to paint bad people as people who use this word. There you go. So, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, then... And you haven't read this chapter. And you haven't read this chapter. Fuck, why are you listening? Uh, so, I'll, I'll just... It's that fucking... Everybody knows this line. Everybody knows this line from the movie because it was such a weird fucking thing to hear. So, uh, Clarice walks in. So the thing she walks down the path of, to, towards Lecter's cell. Lecter's at the end of the fucking room. She has to walk, pack, walk past all these other jerk-offs before she gets to him. And one of them, the one right next to Lecter's cell, is multiple Migs. And Migs, like, slithers at her and says, I can smell your Just bleep that for me. I know what to do. Also, you said I took a long time. Jesus. <laughs> um, I just had to, I just had to get, reclaim, reclaim my honor. Sure. Um, so, uh, and then once uh, she's done speaking to Lecter at the at the culmination of their intense scene, uh, as she's she's rushing out of his his uh, cell, uh, Miggs hurls he he chucks he tosses a a palmful of his own ejaculate onto uh, Clarice's face. And it's horrible. <laughs> it's a horrible image. It's a horrible sequence. It's a horrible thing to endure. And as punishment, and Lecter knows that it happened. He can tell it happened. He loathes rudeness or whatever he says. Discourtesy, Discourtesy. is unspeakably ugly to him. Yeah. So he somehow finds a way to orchestrate Miggs's suicide. And he does so. And, uh, as sort of, it's, it seems like, it's always seemed to me like it was a sort of like he was doing it for Clarice, mm-hmm. uh, as like, as like recompense, like he was apologizing for, but this. also to show off his power. Yeah. And also who, honestly, maybe he just fucking took advantage of the opportunity. Like he found a way to justify doing it. So he right. did anyway, guys, long story short, fucking watch the movie <laughs> or read the book. Like if you if you don't know this sequence and and those those the three horrific things that happen in a row that are unmistakably noteworthy, I can smell your. C- I myself cannot, and she gets fucking ejaculate thrown in her face. Like <laughs> those three things happen real close together, and it's like if you're twelve, this movie is a fucking mind blow. Uh, exactly where my next note takes us. So. What's your next note? So now we're past all of that, because that right. was in a previous chapter. We're in chapter nine, where she revisits Lecter, and the subject of Migs comes up. When Lecter is probing at Clarice and, and saying some uh, discourteous things, I would say, to, mm-hmm. to try to get a rise at her, see how she reacts, I guess. More of a scientific experiment, I can see why he would excuse that in his own mind. He's not being rude for rudeness sakes, he's being rude to test her mettle, as it were. Clarice says, that doesn't interest me. It's the kind of thing Miggs would say. And without mm-hmm. missing a beat, Hannibal Lecter goes, not anymore. And that, more than anything, wowed me when I was 12. Yeah. I went, oh, well, that's kind of power. Mm-hmm. That's, huh, that's how you won the conversation. Got it. Well, you have to have the... You also sure, have no, to no. have the absolutely, nuts. absolutely. Well, shit, yeah, absolutely. There's a million variables and, and and situational, but it was just a a thing I had never experienced before. Sure, 
that that's what I mean. I was just a, a, a new kind of awareness. I was like, oh. Um, and there's there's one more in this book that was even more so for me, but we'll get to that when it happens. Okay. Uh, um, I don't have any more notes but, in this chapter, so if you do, please continue. I will see. I do not. Okay, so uh, the next one is... Chapter 10. Summary. Clarice returns to the FBI training academy where she awaits her punishment for her televised interaction with the news media. Instead, she's informed she'll be accompanying Jack Crawford to a site where a body's been discovered. The body is presumed to be one of Buffalo Bill's victims. So again, backstory that stuff's happening in the book. If you've never read it or watched the movie, go fucking watch the movie. Um, (laughs) Buffalo Bill is the most recent serial killer out there uh, that Lecter's kind of obsessed with. And he believes Crawford is hunting and he's perplexed as to why Crawford hasn't come requesting Lecter's insight into how to catch him. And it's really, you can tell it's really grating on Hannibal uh, that it hasn't happened yet. And he keeps probing, as you said, Clarice for why. And he's like, really dropping hints that he could be of use. Right. Why that might be, we don't know yet, but he's like, come on. Yeah. And yet for up? some reason, Crawford doesn't do it. Right. But Crawford's still playing with him. Crawford's still sending a trainee to see if he'll take part in a questionnaire. Like uh, it, it certainly seems cat and mousy, but it seems more like cock and teasy. So, like, it seems a little bit like Crawford knows that Hannibal Lecter is ready to play. Right. And he, instead, he's just reminding Hannibal that, yes, I do know you exist, and I'm still not going to play with you. I want to create a situation where you'll talk to me, but it, without it looking like I desperately want to talk to you. And also not about this thing. Right. Like, specifically, I, I want. it's almost like he wants Hannibal to feel like, Hannibal is is an afterthought when it comes to the stuff that Hannibal believes he should be first in line. So for. Hannibal is inspired to tell him anything he might know. Right. Yeah. But also, I think it's intended to be an insult. Well, like, I think it's, yes, it, but an yeah. insult with a motive. Well, yes, absolutely. So uh, that's part of the whole thing that is sort of surrounding these chapters is this idea about these current murders that are happening. Mm-hmm. And finally, we get... M- Clarice actually on that case uh, as opposed to just running errands for Jack Crawford, just doing the broader FBI behavioral science cataloging of serial killer stuff. I do think that it's worth noting that I think Hannibal's in the chapter where Hannibal and Clarice interact for the first time. There's a couple times where the things Hannibal says about criminal profiling, I thought were really like accurate and probably reasonable as a layman as someone who knows doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about the idea that you would simplistically separate the categories of intelligent psychopath into or psychopath into organized and disorganized seems rudimentary um it seems almost like an unnecessary like distinction like what qualifies as disorganized or unorganized right um is it literally sporadic killings like is it just would the difference literally be like what uh someone who's a mass shooter versus someone who is a serial killer like is that as simple as it gets seems seems unrelated they seem like differing like psychoses or diff- right. differing I mean, problems like, yeah. you would you'd use different methods to treat them different methods to try to catch them they're they're absolutely different 
It's, it's like a disease. I mean, you use different medicines to treat different diseases, but the diseases can still equally kill you. Yeah. I, uh, so anyway, I thought that, that chapter and some of the stuff he says there was really cool. But this is the chapter with uh, Brigham comes back, right? I think so. Yes, this is because he's, this, he's the guy the plane, who or the helicopter. Yeah, this is the chapter where plane. she goes back. Uh, she she had a interaction with the journalists at the at the garage at the storage unit where they were trying to break in and get footage of the body because they were listening to the police scanners and heard that there was going to there was a homicide a body found. So they race over to to spray the scene, and she tries to stop them from getting in, but she doesn't do a very good job. She's still pretty green in in a lot of ways that matter. And she makes herself look foolish on television, so she's concerned that the FBI, who's very concerned about public appearance, does not like the idea of an agent displaying themselves in that way. And so she's expecting to be fired and kicked out of the academy, but instead, her firearms instructor, who was so nice to her earlier, uh, helps her gather her things so she can go work with Jack Crawford on this new body that's discovered, and he... And another thing I really like about this character is he takes the time in a moment to explain to her, listen, Jack Crawford doesn't deal, he doesn't express emotions directly. So I'm going to tell you, you have an, there's an opportunity here for you to, or for people to think badly of you. And instead of going out there and telling people that he endorses you and that he thinks you're a good agent or you have a good future here, he instead requests for you to work with him on an assignment, which is essentially the same thing right it may even go further than if he directly stood up for you no, so I... consider that is what this guy is saying to her like consider that he kind of saved you in an indirect way i really like i really like this bit because he does that he, he and he helps explain crawford to her where she might not get it because he recognizes she is new right she is young she doesn't have the experience of dealing with people like Crawford or with Crawford himself. And he's like, this here's, here's a little key to understanding people. It's great. And he doesn't hold it against her. That's another thing. I feel like the, the world that Thomas Harris has painted in a lot in these books sometimes is an unforgiving, cruel world. And uh, like the thing we talked about this when we were talking about the Francis Dollarhide's upbringing Mm -hmm. about how frustrating it was for me to read those chapter after chapter of these this just this depiction of a horrific unsympathetic world where no one is kind adults mm-hmm. children no one no one gives this kid an option to succeed or to to be nourished and it results arguably in a serial killer uh being developed which hannibal sort of suggests in this book is total bullshit he said at least for himself he suggests that he's a force of evil and that you like you couldn't essentially, he, he makes a suggestion that you couldn't hug him out of it earlier in this book or at some point in this book. I think it's the second time they visit. Mm-hmm. And so I, with that being part of the, the broad strokes Thomas Harris uses to describe people in his world, this specific firearms instructor is remarkably separate from that. He is very, he's like everything like a good person should be. He's professional. He's like educated, informed, kind, courteous, and sort of stern when he needs to be. He just gets shit done. I just really like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's about all I had in that chapter. Do you have anything else? No, I don't. All right. Last chapter. Chapter 11. Summary. Jack discusses the details of the Buffalo bill case with Clarice. 
We learn Bill's been abducting women, keeping them for a week or more, then skinning them and dropping the bodies in a river near an interstate. Jack shares his expectations of Clarice and encourages her in their work. I really like the part where Clarice is looking at the report and it's talking about the flaying of the women and she has to jump immediately ahead to the quote unquote spoilers of were they dead when he did it. And yes, because of the histamine level, she could tell they were dead. And that's exact, exact thing I would do. Like I need to, I need to know how horrible this is going to be before I get through this report. Am I talking about skinning somebody alive or a dead body? Okay. I got that. I can, I can read it now. I, I, it's, it's just such a nice little human moment. Yeah. And as we've learned in last, in the last episode or previous episodes, you have no problems with acts pr- done to bodies as much as you do living it's people. Still, yeah. It's just a lump of carbon. What? What's the problem? Carbon and water, man. Big whoop. Yeah. It's like a water balloon with charcoal in it. Yeah. It's exactly what it is. What's your problem? You yell up tight. Jesus. Boy, anyway, you're so lucky you're alive. <laughs> it came out so much darker than I thought it would. I am. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> next time we're going to read chapters uh, 12 we're through not, 20. We're not done yet. Just, just let me direct the show. Oh, yeah, you're going to direct the show? Yeah, I'm always, working on it. You always, I'm you working always do on the it. next time right before we sign I'm, off. So that's I just why wanted him. That's I'm why I was thrown. Excuse to, me. Well, listen, you don't need to police me. I got this under control. Okay, take it away. Next time we're going to read chapter, Silence of the Lambs chapters 12 through 23. So many chapters. It, it I know, but like sometimes they're only three pages. Uh, my intention was to do only through 22, and then I looked at 23, and it was like three or four pages, and I was like, okay, we're going to do that one, too. So, you got that? I got it. 12 through 23. Do not read 24. I won't I won't forget this. All right, now we can do a new word alert. New word alert. You have your words? I'm working on it. All right. Well, well, tell me when you're ready. Oh, you know, I'm ready with my first one. Do you have you have yours? I have a, I have a thousand. So get ready. <laughs> okay. Let's do yours first because I bet some of ours are the same. Fine. Pascal. Pascal. Yep. You had that one too. I had that one. Pascal. That one. That the interesting thing about that word was, as I was looking it up, I realized what it was, because. One of the many Italian words I'm learning is Pasqualina, which means Easter. Mm-hmm. Or at least the Pasqualina torta is the Easter cake. So I'm like, oh, of course. And then I looked it up and having to do with Easter. Yep. So over relating to Easter, over relating to Passover. Um... Pural. Really? Really? Pural. Puerile. Is a, is a word that denotes one's immaturity <laughs> and has been on this podcast before and now reminds me of the the housekeeping that I had which makes this <laughs> which makes this which makes this grave tinting 
Yay! Well, we have to wait till that because, like, just put a pin in that because that's a different sound. Oh, I was gonna have it within the other one, but okay. Okay, fine. We can do that. We can. We can like. We can do like parentheses in the. Yeah. In the. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that was the new word alert from a couple of weeks ago. Borborygmus. Yeah. I think you had that before, so it was not a new word. So I apologize for that. Oh, that interesting. Was, that was my. Uh, that was my housekeeping, my then grave I prob- tending. I, I probably should have, I probably in the previous episode that we talked about it explained why I know that word, or I know of that word at least. Why do you know of that word? There's a Magic the Gathering character named Borborygmos, or Borborygmos, um, and he's this, he's a giant cyclops, and he he does, he smashes and stuff, and and there's this thing oh, so nerdy there's this thing on some magic the gathering cards where you have like they're, they're, the cards are separated into, into areas and 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 so you have like the the cost of the card the card's name the card type the set information the card text like the game rules that the card Im- explains or deals with and then sometimes under the the rules for the card you'll have this thing they call flavor text and flavor text will be like italicized words that will be a selection of creative storytelling bit that'll be included on the card to give it some atmosphere, to give it a flavor that informs the, the fantasy of the world beyond the, the function of the card. Uh-huh. And there's a card uh, that has some... Uh, Borborygmos flavor text on it that is all I, I um uh, that has always stuck with me because it is some it is very silly flavor text as far as flavor text is concerned and it's a it's a card called Protean Hulk and it's a creature and the Protean Hulk basically looks like a big tusked monster green monster with big gelatinous green eggs growing out of its back like big bubbles of green um and it's it's a big creature and it looks disgusting and on the very bottom after all the text that explains what it does there's a line that says says quote meat and eggs we eat attributed to borbodigmos i'm gonna let you have the pure the the pronunciation of that because i'm not puerile I have no idea what the correct pronunciation is, but I do know that you are quite a stickler for pronunciation. Um, you could say that you and I are antipodes when it comes to pronunciation. Well played. Well played. Okay, so uh, let so. your daughter know that we brought up Purell again. Uh, <laughs> she loved um, that. She loved mocking me for that. This okay, Purell, I love her. Uh, so, <laughs> okay, right, I've got tending over. Okay, grave tending over. So, back to the new word alert. New word alert. All right, here's a new. Here's another one. Phrenology. Phrenology. It's the study of the bumps on your head that you can like. It's kind of like fortune t- telling. Kind of, I can, yeah. I can divine your personality by the shape of your skull. It, well, it's basically like an an archaic form of what we would now call psychology, right? Where the idea is that, as opposed to what we basically believe now, which is that there are some sections of your brain, different parts of your brain, f- operate different parts of your cognitive ability 
um, and your motor functions, your emotions, different, all these different things. We, we basically have this understanding now that they are controlled or operated in different sections of the brain. But back in the way back times, uh, there were similar ideas about that, but they had more to do with this idea that certain skull shapes were the thing that indicated great intelligence versus the lack thereof. Um, if I think you could, if you wanted to see, uh, somebody talk about this, you, you should, you go, I think it's, I think there's a pretty impactful scene in Django Unchained where Leonardo DiCaprio suggests that the bumps in the back of the skull on a white person are, are either not there or are there. And that one delineates hyper intelligence, you know, superior genes, bullshit. And he indicates to Jamie Foxx's character, Django, that, you your skull if i cracked you open you would either have or not have those bumps which indicates that you are of a sub race kind of bullshit it's so so in this book the phrenology was was hannibal lecter addressed it he brought it up as a way to illustrate how dumbed down the idea of separating the psychopaths from organized and unorganized was he said it's essentially the behavioral science equivalent of phrenology mm-hmm. um and i i was like what is phrenology again and i had to look it up and i was like oh yeah i remember that all right i got i got more let's keep going man cousin cousin that could be it cousining 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 gonna have to spell it or something cousining uh, to cousin somebody very, very good, Rob. Yeah, you nailed you. it. Thank you. Cousining. Uh, it's a verb. To deceive, win over, or induce to do something by artful coaxing and wielding or shrewd trickery. How do you spell it? C-O-Z-E-N-I-N-G. I think I've heard that, or I've always pronounced it in my head as cozying. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, because uh, apparently... like, it's, it, like, it's, like it's related to cozying up to someone. Yeah, I... Yeah, I, I I hear you. But I mean, you know, according to the according to the the, the robot talker. No, hey. Um, that was in this book, something about the way Hannibal he cousined Clarice, I think, in one of their meetings, or sure. like vice versa. Sure. All right, here's another one. Circumlocution. Oh. This is one of the ones that I wrote down, but I have not yet looked up. There's like three of them I was going to look up. Uh, in the moment. So circumlocution, locution makes me think it has to do with speaking. Talk around a subject, maybe? Cause circum. Yes. Really? Pretty much. Okay. Uh, the definition is the use of an unnecessarily large number of words to express an idea. Okay. Cool. I mean, I guess that's what they were kind of getting at, but I just like I'm thinking circumnavigate. It's... I'm thinking elocution. Put them together. Talk around. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's what I would call bad writing. Yeah. Um is when you do that when you like when you write, uh, it's it, it, sometimes I find myself writing way too many words to say the thing I really want to say. Yeah. Um so yeah, uh it's good. Good job. All right. Whew, thank you, um, Latin. And then last one for me. Suborn Suborned is another one I wrote down. I do not know. Suborn. Suborn. It kind of sounds like subordinate. Is it to be lesser, I guess? Like the the verb of that? No. Uh, it's a verb, but it means to induce secretly to do an unlawful thing. Oh. 
a good word. Yeah, I know. That's what I thought when I when I read it when I looked it up. I was like, oh, that's a great word. Yeah, um, I want to I want to use that word. It's what Hannibal uh, describes his actions with Miggs as possibly being. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, then that's have, all my new words. So please, I have two have more from this book. Good lord! That either you didn't that you missed, or maybe you're just Mister Vocabulary. Oh, Mr. Vocabulary. So this one was in Chapter 4, I believe. All right. Intestate. Oh, shit. Intestate. I don't remember. I would have to use context. Having made no valid will to die without a will, basically. Oh, oh, oh okay. Okay. Because I didn't have the... Sorry, I didn't have the... Te- the, the Benjamin Raspell died intestate. I, I guess I could have given you context. Sure, sure, sure. And, and, and such is why his goods are held in probate. Yes. Oh, boy. Uh, let's see if Google helps, because Merriam-Webster did not like this word. Nope. Let's try it with quotes. Try it with the word definition at it. Okay, maybe. This is a guess that this is the word. Self. Sylph. Sylph? Sylph. So the word in the book was sylphed, S-Y-L-P-H-E-D, which I guess could make sense. But the word, the only thing I could find up or find online was S-Y-L-P-H, sylph. S-I-L-P-H is the one in the book? S-Y-L. In the book, it's S-Y-L-P-H-E-D. It's been, it's been verb. Does it mean, does it mean like to search? Nope. Oh, what does it mean? An imaginary spirit of the air. Hmm. Mainly dark green and blue hummingbird, the male of which has a long forked tail. Those are the two. And I believe it was they sylphed through the woods. So I guess to flit through the woods like you were a bird? spirit or a bird. Yeah. Tom Harris likes his birds. Yeah, he does. You never notice how much he likes birds where like not not to, you know, Clary Starling, the Minnesota Shrike, Shriek, Shrike, Shrike. Um, uh, you have uh, that. uh Jack Crawford looks like an owl. Mm-hmm. Um, I, bird watching was a big thing, and he is he is definitely of an older generation. Maybe that was one of his. Maybe that's one of his hobbies. It's just interesting. Just something I've always felt like was there. I don't think I, I did ever... have to double check myself. Okay, go ahead. Oh, I don't think I. I, I just I don't think I'd ever noticed that. And I'm definitely gonna be a lookout for uh, for birdisms now. What were you gonna say? Um, I was gonna say that there's a moment in this book where that we've read already where someone references that Jack Crawford had successfully captured three serial killers. And I had to go back in my mind and I successfully did it. Uh, okay. Where I, I'm not, I don't, this is not me saying I can't remember. I, I couldn't for a moment, but I did have to go back and I, I was like, went back through and I went, okay, Francis Dollar Hyde, I guess you can count that. You can definitely count Hannibal. Cause he's, he's locked up. And then I was like, in the third one, and I was like, oh yeah, Garrett Jacob Hobbs. So the Bill last is two the fourth. we had, you caught, right? Yeah. Which, uh, uh, as much as I enjoy the show, it's a more realistic grouping of serial killers. I don't think you're gonna have a serial killer, you know, every week, once a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it is what it is, though. It is, especially you know, like, and they're all in Baltimore or Minnesota. Uh, I, I thought 
they just I guess okay FBI Virginia airplanes. like yeah it, it's still pretty I mean, Minnesota centralized. is pretty far away from Baltimore isn't it yeah but that's just Jared no Jones. no this is my fault I'm getting Minnesota mixed up with uh, Montana never mind well Minnesota is far away from Baltimore first off but not as far as Montana I guess but they're pretty close to each other Minnesota and Montana yeah oh, okay like like th- let me put it this way Montana north borders Canada cold yep. That's the one I'm thinking of. Minnesota's football team are called the Vikings because cold. I thought it was because a whole bunch of uh, Nordic people settled there. Well, that too. But they don't settle in places that aren't cold. <laughs> um, It's a 12-hour drive. 700 miles. It's almost 800 miles. I mean, in Alaska, that feels close. From Minnesota to Baltimore, just for the funsies, is 1,267 miles. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, good, uh, good, good uh, reads. Good, good talk word. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. I think I think we we got everything I wanted to say uh, out of it, and we already did the whole next time what we're reading because what I are was, we reading next time again? It's the Silence of the Lambs, chapters twelve through twenty three. Twelve to twenty three, right? Thank you. Yeah, the so... next eleven chapters. Hmm. Going by 11sies. Interesting. Make a wish. Okay. Was 11 11? Didn't you tell me that like a week ago? Uh, I, I, I was. Uh, yes, yes. And 11sies is when you eat, and this book is all about eating. <laughs> I will never know how long these pauses are. Second victims? We, we, you're not going to skip second victims. We've had one victim, yes. But what about second victim? Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, okay, fuck it. That was Death Readers. Uh, I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. I'm going to have this, um, no, not yet. I'm going to have this pocket coffee. See, it says pocket coffee. It's a chocolate. Oh, yeah. It's from Italy. Mm-hmm. No big. No, it's small. Right. That's why it's no big. That's why I said, no, it's small. Are we fighting? You can't even talk. What do you mean, are we fighting? <laughs> no, the, the, there's no fight. It's just it's just weird to make a joke and then have someone go, no, that joke. And you're like, what? I didn't do that. It's exactly what you did. I said, no, it's small. And you get, you went, yeah, that's why I said it's not big. Mm. <laughs> I know what the problem is. <laughs> This is not tasty. God damn. Is that the problem? Is that the, is that our problem? Is it that no. that isn't tasty? No, that's, that's my problem. No. Oh, Jesus. It's worse. Ugh. <laughs> oh. I've had more pleasurable time eating spoonfuls of coffee grounds. The problem... Take that, Italy. <laughs> the, the, um... Yeah...
<laughs> the problem was you started with no, so I thought your no was contradicting me. So ah. I, was, I was trying to defend myself. Okay, fair enough. I think it's probably most of my problems stem from... I think you're right. No. Damn it. I happen to agree with you, and I don't think Ugh. you're off base at all. To figure out that this guy was a real person named, excuse me if I butcher this, Bali Trevino. Motherfucker. Bali. <laughs> no face. Bali Trevino. Summary. In this chapter, Clarice meets Hannibal for the first time. The scene plays out nearly exactly like the film, with them trading witticisms, him belittling her, and her leaving with a sailor sheen as a promise from the good doctor. And the promise from the good doctor. Sorry, can I say that over again? You can. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>